0: Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are ready to read. Let's see, we're in 1 Corinthians. We're ready to read chapter 5. Now we read chapter 4. In chapter 4, basically, Paul had contrasted how these people believed so much in themselves. They were so arrogant and puffed up. Believing that they were so strong spiritually and all. And yet, Um, they were not. (laughs) And basically he's like in the last, he's like, which do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline and correction or with love and a gentle spirit? Uh, Because they were being so arrogant and pretentious and they were having these divisions amongst themselves. Now Paul is going to move on into another area here in chapter 5. So I'm going to, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and and he's gonna. This is another area they need to work on, obviously. So, um, I'm just gonna read this, and we'll we'll understand as we go. Verse one. It is actually reported everywhere that there is sexual immorality among you, a kind of immorality that is condemned even among the unbelieving Gentiles. That someone has an intimate relationship with his father's wife. Now, the way this is worded, we've always okay i thought i heard something weird anyway we've always thought that uh, that uh, this father's wife thing was like his stepmother in other words wasn't truly his mother but you know but his stepmother um, now that would be i don't know to me that's just ugh, really icky-yucky to think about and sound like. It just sounds horrible. Um, we don't know the details. We don't know if there's some reason. Uh, but anyway, whatever. I, I don't even know if I want to know the reason. But it's it sounds pretty bad, right? Okay, so verse 2. And you are proud and arrogant. You should have mourned in shame so that the man who has done this disgraceful thing would be removed from your fellowship. Now remember, I am reading in the Amplified Bible, so it's going to read somewhat differently but I'm hoping it's more clear. It's, it seems to help me a lot. For I, though absent from you in body, but present in spirit, have already passed judgment on him who has committed this act, as if I were present. In the name of our Lord Jesus, when you are assembled, and I am with you in spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to hand over this man to Satan for the destruction of his body, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. And this, um, the notes here say this is probably a call for him to be removed from the safety and blessing of the church, basically to be kind of excommunicated. Um, But this is also assuming that there's no repentance, no change of heart, you know. Nonetheless, Paul continues, verse 6, Your boasting over the supposed spirituality of your church is not good. Indeed, it is vulgar and inappropriate. Do you not know that just a little leaven ferments the whole batch of dough, just as a little sin corrupts a person or an entire church? Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new batch just as you are still unleavened. Now this refers to, and I have a note here, and I'm just going to mention this to you. This is a note Paul is referring to as part of the Passover celebration um, leading up to the Passover meal. They had the feast of the unleavened bread, and during that time they would remove all the leaven from their homes to symbolize the removal of sin from their lives. That's why they had unleavened bread. And um, the leaven, the yeast, was often used as a symbol of uh, spiritual corruption for them. But there's also times where in the Bible it's used as a a good thing. And I think we're going to see this both ways here. So um, clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new batch just as you are still unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast not with old leaven, nor with leaven of vice and malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and untainted truth. Okay, so actually here the leaven still represents the the sin and the corruption. And he's saying to get the corruption out. And, And basically that's true. If you think about it, you can't have, in your congregation, you can't have... Corruption—it's going to—it's going to influence everyone else. It's going to be a bad thing. So you don't want to have corruption in your congregation. That makes sense. Um, it's not that you can't have other people come in. Like you can have visitors, and they don't have to be Christians. And you can have people come in, and uh, and and be in your service and everything. But they can't truly be a member if they're going to have this kind of corruption, this kind of thing going on. Um, At least that's what Paul is getting at here. Okay. I wrote you in my previous letter... Now this is verse 9, and I was not aware there was a previous letter before this one, but it sounds like there was. Anyway, I wrote you in my previous letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not meaning the immoral people of this world or the greedy ones and swindlers or idolaters, for then you would have to get out of the world and human society altogether. But actually, I have written to you not to associate with any so-called Christian brother if he is sexually immoral or greedy or is an idolater, devoted to anything that takes the place of God, or is a reviler who insults or slanders or otherwise verbally abuses others, or is a drunkard or a swindler. You must not so much as eat with such a person. The reason he says that is because in the old days, when you ate with people, it was uh, considered... A sign of friendship and of acceptance, and uh, so here he's saying, if you have a Christian who is these things, okay, you should not associate with them. Now, I would say, as long as they're unrepentant and they continue in these ways, and they are just, you know, that that would be a bad example for everyone too. Um, you know, I would say, yeah, we we should probably try not to associate with them, except maybe to try to get them to learn and repent and do better. I'm going to continue on, verse 12. For what business is it of mine to judge outsiders, non-believers? Do you not judge those who are within the church to protect the church as the situation requires? In other words, to protect the congregation, we don't want a lot of bad influences. God alone sits in judgment on those who are outside the faith. And that's absolutely true. God really judges everyone, and we're really not judging people. If you look at this, we're still not judging people. We're not judging the Christian brother. We're really judging their actions. We're not judging the guy who um, married his stepmother or or whatever had the wrong had the intimate relationship with his father's wife. We're judging the action and the situation. We're saying that's wrong. Okay, In all of these, we're really just saying this is wrong. And if you let these sins in, if you let these things become commonplace and, and just flaunted and public and, you know, this is going to um, it's going to destroy your congregation. It's going to corrupt your congregation. You know. So he says, remove the wicked one from among you. Expel him from your church. Now again, you know, I understand this. You're going to say, "Well, we we cannot have you here as long as you continue in this practice, because we all know when see you're doing this and it's awful and it's it's not correct." So, I mean, you'd have to go to them and teach them and talk to them about that. So, so that is First Corinthians chapter five. It's really all about uh, rebuking and uh, getting rid of this immorality. Um, he doesn't mention the uh, anything about these folks repenting and turning from their ways but I think he is um, not assuming that at this point he's assuming that they are unrepentant if they were willing to repent see we did we did not see the previous letter and we did not see or know all of his all of the report he has if these people are truly unrepentant and not willing to change then then yeah you would You would have to find some way to kind of disassociate so that you're not, you know, you're not hurting the congregation. So I'm not sure how we would handle this nowadays. I will just tell you that would be extremely awkward. I will just say it like that. But but if you have some such situation, I mean, you might need. I I would I would never want to tell anybody they couldn't come to church though and learn, um, and be in the service. I, I don't know. Um, that, I, I don't know. That would just be really hard. Like I say, I would never want to. I'm not saying I wouldn't, you know, necessarily feel like I had to, but I wouldn't want to ever do that. That would just be awful. But anyway, all right. So that's chapter five of First Corinthians, and I really have nothing further that I can add to that. Um, Paul knows what he's talking about. Um, I can't claim any special knowledge. Okay. So, I hope that is helpful to you. Hope you have a wonderful day. Remember to stay safe, keep safe. And remember that God loves you.